When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Kenny and Carla going up on a Tuesday on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Celtics host the Bucks. Coverage begins at 6.30 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Presented by Indeed. And big fella, we're taking folks right up to the playoff coverage of Game 2 up at TD Garden on our show. And... And looking at this series and the Celtics being down 0-1 after hosting game one, I'm not going to say game two is a must win, but this feels like a can't lose. Game two is a must win. No. <laughs> I, honestly, I believe that. Forget I, about the semantics, right? Yes. It doesn't, that doesn't even matter. In this instance, I'm not even going to argue semantics because we just saw how easily they dismantled the Celtics the other day. And I don't expect Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to play as poorly as they did the other day. But you know what it kind of made me think of when I saw that? It made me think of how poorly Durant played in the series against the Celtics and what they were able to do to him there. Now, this is a little bit different because you got two guys who should be a lot better. Mm -hmm. I don't believe for a second that the Celtics are going to allow themselves to get pushed around like they did the other day. I do think that this is a wake-up call type game and if this if the celtics lose tonight they're done i honestly believe wow okay if the celtics lose this game tonight they're getting swept okay in my estimation at least going back i i do not like their chances going back to milwaukee to win a game down two games to none especially if they come close tonight and lose the game I, i think this is one of those situations where if you're boston you have to throw everything out there that you can to find a way to get this game. You have to make this a more evenly matched series, whether it's physically, whether it's from a skill standpoint, whatever it is, you need to make sure that tonight is a night where they get your best shot, period. Mm -hmm. And if they do, I think the Celtics will win the game tonight. So what you're saying is the Boston Celtics can't do what the Milwaukee Bucks did last year in the playoffs in round two against the Brooklyn Nets. Right. When they started off the series 0-2 and then found a way to come back no, and win I, it in seven. The Celtics are not – this is not a good matchup for them to try to do that. Not with Giannis on the court. Because not, he's the best player in the world. Exactly. And and let's You could at, make an argument that Kevin I, Durant was the best player in the world I, going back to last year's I understand playoffs. There, but I understand that, but two things. It's a different kind of best player in the world okay. because of everything that he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. And you also had extenuating circumstances in that series where Harden was banged up, the whole thing. Like they had, yeah, Kyrie they, stepped on Giannis's ankle. Exactly. Yeah. There were issues all over the place there yeah. that led to that. To me... This is a game that if the Celtics lose tonight, they're dead in the water. Well, I don't under. Let me not say it that way. I don't know how the Celtics navigate beyond the sheer size of the Bucks front line. How do you get past Bobby Portis being six ten? How do you get past Giannis being six eleven? How do you get past Brooke Lopez being seven feet tall? Brook Lopez had three blocks in that game. I'll give you two things that I picked up on the Hoop Collective podcast with Wendy. All right, Ryan Windhorst. Okay. okay. 
How about these two stats? Speaking to the length that you're talking about. Yep. Game one, they had 17 deflections. 17. That's how long they are. And as Wendy pointed out, you probably didn't have the Nets with 17 deflections in that entire series. Yeah. Secondly, how about this from the Celtics? 10 two-point shots made in the game. The fewest in Boston Celtics history. Period. Regular season, postseason. The fewest in Boston Celtics what is it? Seventy-five year history. A long time. Whatever playing it is. basketball up there, and what that and their average shot came from like eighteen feet, which all that tells me is they can't do anything inside against this group. And that's the problem that I had with yeah. Game One. It coincided with them setting a franchise playoff record for three-point attempts. They shot fifty of them, and they didn't knock down a oh. high percentage. So I, I guess that's what I'm talking about when it comes to Boston's path to success offensively. And, Carlin, we got to mention this. With Marcus Smart being banged up, that only increases the degree of difficulty in terms of them being able to get into their offense in half-court sets. Like, you know, Marcus Smart was the guy, once they made the commitment to him being the full-time point guard, that's what unlocked Jason Tatum and got him knocking on the the doorstep of club superstar. Mm -hmm. That's what allowed them to have Jalen Brown and Tatum coexist in the lineup at the same time. That created the best version of the Boston Celtics offense. And now with Marcus Smart dealing with a thigh contusion and the shoulder injury, I don't know what version of him you're going to get. And it's crazy to think this because he won Defensive Player of the Year, but I actually think his impact in this game has to be felt more on the offensive end than on the defensive side of the court. No, listen, I get that, and I understand where you're coming from with it. I would just say, though, that when you're at that level as a defender and you're not at 100%, you know, can he still give them a decent amount here defensively? I I don't know the answer to that. I, I, all I'm saying is I think it's more important for him to get Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum No, going. I, I understand. I absolutely think that's I, more important. And I get like, that Drew Holiday is a monster. I, I get that. I understand Drew Holiday had 25 points and all of those buckets that he scored in game one mattered. But I think it's more important to the Celtics' success in game two that he's better on the offensive end in terms of getting them the ball in their spots so they can get more easy looks. Because like you said, you're talking about having 10 two-point makes. That's not going to cut it. They can't shoot 53s in a game and have success against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's exactly what Coach Bud wants. So I think they've got to make some – they've got to make an adjustment in terms of making sure that they get the shots, the quality of shots that they're looking for in offense. Because we hadn't seen this version of the Boston Celtics offense since December 29th, Carl, and you know why I bring up that date? Because that was the game against the Clippers yeah. where they scored less than 89 points. Yep. That was, the, that was the last time we saw them have this kind of offensive output. This is the first time that Boston has been held under 100 in the playoffs. So it's, it, They've got to be better on offense in order for them to be able to have success. Now, I will say this. I do think their defense and being able to create some turnovers, some takeaways – will help them in terms of getting opportunities right, and this, transitions. This is what they I'm, didn't get a lot of that in game one. But this is what I was saying about Smart. Like, is he still going to have a big enough impact? I get it. You're saying offensively he's got to be uh, a bigger factor here, and his offense is not, not that he has to be a bigger factor. I'm not saying that right. That he has to facilitate because that's what's unlocked the other two guys. Get that completely. When you have the defensive player of the year, 
that plays a part into forcing those kind of turnovers and those opportunities in the open court. Mm-hmm. What is he going to be able to give you defensively? That's what I want to know. Is is you you sometimes run into a case even no matter what level of player you are where if you're dealing with an injury and you're on the court you can be more of a deficiency than I can help you at 70%. I can yeah. help you at 50%. Sometimes that's not the case. And that's what I'm going to be looking for for Marcus Smart tonight. Is he going to be more of a liability because he's not 100%? Is he a guy that is still capable of giving you a good amount on the defensive end and still helping to force some turnovers, that kind of thing? Or is he going to be somebody that, frankly, like they may be able to lick their chops a little bit at? Yeah, that, that's something that remains to be seen, and we don't know what version of Marcus Smart we're going to get tonight, but that's going to play a huge factor into deciding who wins game two. The number is 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Hit us up on the CC call-in line. We want to know from you, is tonight a must-win for the Boston Celtics? And speaking of must-wins, coming up next, does game two feel like a must-win for the Memphis Grizzlies? Carlin and I weigh in. You're listening to ESPN Radio back after this. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Green has been tossed from game one with a minute 18 to go in the second quarter. It's unfortunate. We're not the same team without him, but I'm just incredibly proud of how he responded. Inbound to Thompson on the arc. Dribbles one, shoots the three, and connects for the lead. Moran on the drive, layup, missed it at the horn. The Warriors hold on and get a victory on the road to take game one of this second round series. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter, at Chris Carlin and at Chris Candy 99 And ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. So make sure you stack them coins with Progressive Insurance. But, Carlin, 
Game two tonight, Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. And I know that this is one of those spots where it doesn't feel like Memphis can go down 0-2 just because you're talking about a team that's largely inexperienced when it comes to playing basketball this time of year, going up against a team that has championship DNA with the Golden State Warriors. And with the Warriors' core of Draymond, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson, they've won three championships together. So, I mean, you can kind of understand why it's important for Memphis to get this game under their belt. But one of the big takeaways that we had from what happened in game one was what happened with Draymond Green and him being ejected at the end of the second quarter for trying to pull down Brandon Clark, not allowing him to get the shot up, not allowing him to get the and one. And I understand from a, 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 a defensive standpoint, you don't want to give a guy an opportunity to make a three point play the old fashioned way, but Draymond and how he handled himself. I think we all can agree was a little bit ridiculous. Oh, except, except Draymond, though. No. Except Draymond. And that's probably the thing that I think is the craziest this, takeaway. We shouldn't be surprised by it by any stretch. This is him. Yeah, this this is Draymond Green. But I'm surprised that he continues to double down and triple down on what he did to Brandon Clark and his version of the facts when it came to that situation that led to the ejection. Here's Draymond Green at his presser about what happened in game one with Brandon Clark. Take a listen. Play basketball for a living. Have an incredible family, incredible life. I'm not picked on. There's other people that's picked on. I'm no victim. I'm good money. I told y'all on my podcast, I, I, that's, my reputation is a badge of honor. Not everybody can earn that reputation. So life goes on. I'm never going to change the way I play basketball. It's gotten me this far. It's gotten me three championships, four all-stars, defensive player of the year. Not going to change now. But you could argue the way that you play basketball cost you a fourth one in 2016. You can argue the way that you played basketball could potentially cost your team a chance to win a championship this year if you get ejected because of the accumulation of flagrant foul points. And that's the part of that that soundbite, Carlin, that just sounds absolutely ridiculous. Draymond is tone deaf, and he's doing all of these rounds. He's got his podcast. He's going on the TNT show with the guys after the uh, the two games last night. He's doing all of the rounds and trying to get his version of what happened out there. And I'm trying to figure out, Carlin, to what end. Is it trying to grease the skids for what could happen as we move through the postseason? Because nobody's going to give Draymond the benefit of a doubt when it comes to a play that's borderline. Nobody is, no matter what he says. The target's already on his back. He, no matter what he says at this point, it's not like, it's going to inflame any further issues for him. Officials are always going to be looking out for him. But Chris, like, I need Draymond Green to be him. Like, if I'm the if I'm the Warriors, and I know what you're talking about with with 2016 mm. with the suspension, but aren't the Warriors better served with Draymond Green playing the way he does than if he softens up his game a little bit? I mean, to me. I want him doing exactly what he does. I want him in this frame of mind. Do I want him out there ripping Brandon Clark to the floor? No, no. But what I want him doing is being out there and being his normal tough defender self that is already in the heads of my opponents. They know what they are dealing with with Draymond Green, and you can't tell me mentally that doesn't make a difference. You can't tell me that a young, inexperienced team like the Grizzlies is not thinking about it when Draymond Green is defending them or is somebody that they're trying to attack. You're going around, wait a second, not that I'm going to get hurt, 
but I might get put in a dangerous situation here. That's exactly what the Warriors need. They need him in that mindset. Well, here's the thing, Carlin. I know he can't be in that mindset now because if he gets another flagrant two, he's suspended for I a game. I understand that. So but, I, got, I got an advantage right now. Draymond's saying that, though, for the Grizzlies. He's not saying that for anybody else. Well, he can be saying that for the Grizzlies, but the Grizzlies know better. They know how important Draymond is to his team's chances to move on to the next round. Right. If, if Draymond is going to go out there and continue to act a fool, the Grizzlies are going to try to continue to attack him and hopes that he does something stupid because guess what? If he's suspended for a game in this series, that might just be the break that Memphis needs to get back in this thing, especially if they go down 0-2. All right, but so I'll go I'm, back to the original I'm, question, I'm reading though. it the other way. But I'll go back to the original question. How are the Warriors better served here? If Draymond is himself or if Draymond just basically – uh, you know, soft shoes it. Be, be a better, be a better it. version of yourself. That's all I'm asking you to do. All I'm saying is the hard fouls I can live with. Grabbing a guy down by his jersey when he's defenseless in the air, that's not that's not a clean basketball. Sometimes play. it's worth it. It's not a clean basketball. It's play. not a clean basketball. It's not play. a clean basketball play. I totally agree. We both sat here and said he should have been ejected. He should have been. Yeah. But now. Could that work to his favor in the rest of this series if they're thinking about that? Here's my thing, Carlin. I I understand what you're saying, but to run the risk of losing Draymond for a playoff game because of nonsense, that's not something that Uh, I can stomach if I'm Steve Kerr. Draymond doesn't have to do it. Draymond's too important to this team in terms of what he brings defensively. First of all, this is not a team that plays with a lot of size. They got Looney. Looney don't play that many minutes. Looney's no. getting 12, 13 minutes a game. That's why it was Top. absurd how many rebounds they got the other day. Exactly. Offensive rebounds exactly. they got the other day. They play small. That's what they are. They got Andrew Wiggins starting at the four sometimes. They are a small ball type of team. And Draymond has got to play the center, and he's going to have to defend bigs. But more importantly is what he does on the offensive end. He gets everybody else going. Mm-hmm. He's a point forward. He brings the ball up. He initiates the offense. He makes it easy for Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole to get catch-and-shoot opportunities. You can't afford to lose him. He's too important to how you play him, basketball. Chris, I don't want him to go out yeah, there. Yeah, but that's my I, I don't want him to go out there and make the play. I want the Grizzlies to think he might. I, I want is a young team, Carlin, and you're going Carlin, up against that dude. Carlin, I'm that team. I understand what you're saying, but at some point, somebody's going to check your oil. And I'm not saying it's going to be Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm not saying it's going to be anybody else off of the Memphis. I don't think it's going to be Kyle Anderson. But somebody along the line is going to check your oil. Mm -hmm. And it could be in the next round against the Phoenix Suns. Somebody's going to try to agitate you, and we'll have to see how Draymond responds. But if we leave it up to you, it's probably not going to be in a positive way, and you could be talking about Draymond being suspended in a game in in the Western Conference Finals, in the NBA Finals, and that's not what you want if you're the Golden State Warriors. Coming up next, UFC Bantamweight champion Juliana Pena joins the show to get us set for the 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter. But first, a word from Vivid Seats. Just waiting for the music to be cued. That's all, big fella. You're a showman. Got to got to wait for the music. You're a showman. Yeah. We don't, the we same don't return- do this in a vacuum, man. No, we don't, no, no, no. We got to have all of the elements when we're doing live reads, man. We got to punch it up a little bit. I'm not an amateur. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. Every alley-oop, every one-timer, every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you got to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. 
From the upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. You're listening to Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And big fella, we've been all over the NBA playoff coverage all show. Going to make a little bit of a left-hand turn here and go to some MMA because today is a special day. It marks the 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter. Episode 1 of the 30th season premieres tonight exclusively on ESPN Plus. And with that being said, we got to go out to the CC call-in line and bring on UFC Bantamweight champion Juliana Pena. She wears a mean pair of heels and can equally kick you in the face. <laughs> Juliana, it is an honor and a privilege for us to have you on the show today. And as we mentioned, today marks the first episode of the 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter on ESPN+. Plus. What does it mean to you that you and Amanda Nunes are both coaches? What does that distinction mean for you? You know, it's it's history, I think, or maybe her story more like it. You know, it's so exciting to be able to have this come full circle for myself. I was a contestant on The Ultimate Fighter. Dana White allowed us to fight in the UFC in 2013. And when he allowed us on the show for the first season for women, I won it. So now coming back as a coach and, and coaching alongside my biggest rival, it's honestly a dream come true. I'm a fan of the sport, and it's going to be awesome to go from fighter to coach and, and put my, my coach hat on. It's, it's a, it was an exciting season. It was a great time. Okay, but it's got to be a little bit tricky to make that transition. And now you're competing with Amanda in a much different way. So I'm just curious as to how you're going to kind of make that transition when you can't physically get your hands on her. You know, it was easy for me to coach alongside her because, like I said, I had already been on the show before I understood the format, and it was mm-hmm. kind of territory that I had already been done there before. So it was easy for me to do that. And then, of course, the perk and the cherry on top is that I do get to get my hands on her at the end of the season. So that's <laughs> the best part about the show. Yeah, and you, because you won season 18 with your friend Misha Tate as the coach, as your coach, do you think that gives you a distinct edge going into this? Uh, yeah, so like, like I said, I, it was already territory that I have have done before, so it wasn't something new for me. It was something that I was very familiar and comfortable with, and so I definitely think that I, I had the edge there, but we're we're going to have to see how the rest of the season plays out because I'm sure not everything always went my way. UFC bantamweight champion Juliana Pena joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. All right, so you've got heavyweights on the men's side. You've got the flyweights on the women's side. But when it comes to coaching, I'm curious as to how your approach might differ if it does at all when you're, when you're dealing with those vastly different kind of competitors. Yeah, it was interesting. I'll tell you that because, you know, heavyweights are a different breed. You can't really run them the same that you would a flyweight because you're going to break them, you know. And then I was getting kind of frustrated. I wanted more out of them. I wanted to work more. But then it's like, nah, they're they're heavyweights. They're men. They can't, they can't push as hard as, you know, uh, the women can because – 
they're they're too big. They're they're gonna break or go, somebody's gonna get hurt. Uh, it was very interesting dynamic to have those heavyweight men and and instructing them versus the women, right? Because the heavyweights, it only takes one shot. Just go out there and knock his block off one time, and it's over. And the girls are completely different uh, sides. So that was definitely a challenge to be able to have the heavyweight men and the flyweight 125 pound women. It was actually pretty funny. Juliana, we know that season 30 of The Ultimate Fighter is leading all the way up to your rematch with Amanda Nunes. Before you submitted her in the second round back in December, she had five straight bantamweight title defenses and 12 straight wins overall. What do you expect will change this time around, especially with Nunes leaving American top team and starting her own gym? You know, I think that the biggest takeaway from that is that Amanda said in the first fight that I was going to be getting the best, healthiest, awesome version of her ever that existed. And so I was, of course, prepared for the best version of Amanda Nunes. Um, and she was very gracious in defeat. However, she hasn't accepted that fact that I have won. You know, the belt should speak for itself, but she's still not accepting it. And the point is, is that now she's saying I'm going to get the best version of her. Now she's saying that I'm going to get the most healthiest version of her. And I wish her nothing but the best camp. I wish that I do get the best version of her and the most healthiest version of her because I'm going to be the most healthiest version of myself. And so I welcome that challenge. And if I didn't see her at her best uh, in December, I I hope to see her in her best when we fight in the future. Is there going to be a lot of talk here? Is there going to be a lot of trash talk between the two of you? How, from a coaching standpoint, the competitiveness level uh, between the two of you, what is that dynamic like? You know, there's not really much for me to say. I think that she's already upset in and of itself that she lost, you know, so there's not really anything that I need to say. The belt speaks for itself. Like I said, I don't need to run my mouth. I just need to do my job when the time comes, and that's exactly what I plan on doing. Juliana, who's a name that's participating in this season of The Ultimate Fighter that might not necessarily be a household name now, but that will be a household name once this season is over? Am I allowed to tell you who's on the show and and spoil it for the audience? (laughs) Just a little teaser. We're asking just for a little bit of a teaser here. Okay, a little bit of a teaser. I'll give you a hint. There's somebody that has the same name as the first winner of The Ultimate Fighter, and I want you guys to be watching out for that person. It's a girl. All right. All right, there it is. And then before we let you go, it's Juliana Pena, UFC Bantamweight champion. 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter starts tonight on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, it is episode one. Uh, what fight this week, UFC 274, ESPN+, Plus pay-per-view this Saturday, what fight has your attention the most? Um, definitely Rosenam Yunus and uh, Carla Esparza. Absolutely. I think that those girls are both very, very skilled. And I honestly, I cannot wait to, uh, to see that. That's going to be fireworks. It's a rematch. I know that Carla won the Ultimate Fighter after my season. And then uh, Rose went on to, to be the champion in the future. So it's, it's a very interesting dynamic there. And, and I'm super excited about that fight. Well, Juliana, we can't let you off the hook without picking the main event. Oliveira and Gaethje, who you got? I, I'm i going to go, oh, shoot. Uh, let's go uh, Justin Gaethje because he's American. But, shoot, Charles Oliveira is super cool, too, and I love his skill set. You know, I, I would say fans win. I can't choose between those. I, think <laughs> I, I can't choose. That is the right answer. Juliana Pena. 
UFC bantamweight champion. Give her a follow at Venezuelan Vixen. We appreciate a few minutes of your time and look forward to having you back on the show soon. Thank you, Chrissies. I appreciate the time. <laughs> All right. That's a first. The Chrissies. I like it, big fella. The 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter, episode one of the 30th season, premieres today exclusively on ESPN+. Coming up next, which teams help themselves the most this offseason in the NFL? The big fella and I will weigh in on that. You're listening to ESPN Radio back after this. Being calling on ESPN Radio in Big Fella. It seems like everybody around the National Football League, and especially all of the people in the state of Michigan, were excited when the Detroit Lions selected Aiden Hutchinson with the number two overall pick. That's everybody with the exception of the NFL League office, who, according to Peter King of NBC Sports, were upset that the Lions turned in their draft card within a minute of Trayvon Walker being selected with the number one overall pick. The Lions made their pick so quickly that the NFL was upset about it. We turned in the card so fast that the league got mad at us. Quote, that's a Lions official telling Peter King that the league office felt the way about the Lions not adding a little more drama and theater to the second overall pick. Your thoughts? Number one, the league should be happy because Mel was killing the pick on on Trayvon Walker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, listen, and, and... it is a, a big moment for Trayvon Walker, and I understand why they would be mad. But, dude, it's the Lions. The, the, this organization has been throw, uh, through so much. If they're excited to get their player, if they're exci- if there is a level of excitement around the Detroit Lions, let them have it. They turned their card in too quickly. They handed it over. All right, fine. Wait an extra two or three minutes, Commissioner, before you walk out there. I mean, it, it does. It would have been funnier to me is if the Lions had, like, a representative run up on stage and hand it to him just as he got done saying, Trayvon Walker, here's the Lions pick. Yeah. You know, just get right after it. I, I'm sorry. The Lions deserve to have some joy. They, <laughs> just they a little really bit. They <laughs> really deserve to have nice things. And for the league to get mad at them about that, look, I get it. You want to accentuate it. You want to play up who the number one overall pick is and how special that is. But let's be honest. This was a year where the number one overall pick wasn't a quarterback or, or somebody that has was a consensus uh, pick in that spot. It was kind of a, eh. I mean, well, here's, you, here's, it's not a knock on Trayvon Walker. Well, here's but. the deal with this as well, Carlin. It's not like there's not a shot clock on this thing. Now, it didn't necessarily mean that the Detroit Lions had to turn in the card with nine minutes to go on their 10-minute clock. But at the same time, why belabor the point or why drag this thing out when you know that the player that was at the top of your draft board is available for you to take? Yeah. It was a situation for the Lions where you run, not walk, to turn in the draft card. You're talking about a guy that is Michigan royalty. His father was an All-American and a team captain at Michigan under Bo Schembechler. This guy is born and bred in Michigan. If you're the Detroit Lions, you need a guy like that to continue to sell your program and move your franchise forward. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We got it out there. Which team can least afford to drop game two in the NBA playoffs tonight? The Boston Celtics or the Memphis Grizzlies? Hit us up on the CC call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But, big fella, let's sneak a little NFL into the conversation here. And after we're wrapping up the NFL draft and we're looking at what the teams have done in the early goings of the NFL offseason – I think we've we've done a good job of covering the teams that uh, that won the draft. But now that you look at the full picture with free agency included, who are some of the teams in your mind that have helped themselves the most this offseason? Well, number one is the Broncos because you you can't look elsewhere other than Russell Wilson for a team that has so many offensive playmakers in place already. And now you have somebody that's actually capable of getting them the football. What a novel idea (laughs) that is. And it's a very good defensive team already. So just by virtue of adding Russell Wilson, and that's more than enough, I'm putting them at the top. Number two is the team that was the runner-up in the Super Bowl, and that's the Bengals. What, What did we knock the Bengals for all season long? Their offensive line and for their secondary. They went out and did a really nice job, you know, bringing in Kappa uh, from Tampa, bringing in Ted Karras, and also at the same time... Lyle Collins, too. Lyle Collins, excellent point. That's huge, yeah. And at the same time, what they did in the draft at corner, I, I like what they're doing. They have addressed their particular issues, and everything that we knew were weaknesses, they have gotten better. I, I don't know that we all thought that the Bengals were the best team in the AFC. They made it to the Super Bowl. They have gotten better. They have strengthened themselves. And then, look, there's no getting around it. The Ravens just, they, they freaking know what they're doing. <laughs> they know what they're doing. They've known what they're doing for so long. The Ravens have really become another version of the Steelers where yep. every year, no matter what, they're going to be competitive. And it's hard to even, when you think about the Ravens, you don't ever think about a team that's 8-9, and nine, but that's what they were last year, right? Yep. So in the draft, they got a lot better. And I just think overall, when you look at the positions that they were able to bring in there, they're a better team than they were last year, even without Hollywood Brown. That's the only place, wide receiver right now, where they have a little concern, but I'm a big Rashad Bateman guy. Yeah. 
Well, I don't think they care about wide receiver as much as they care about that offensive line and the tight end position. And they're going to get back to the offense we saw two years ago yeah. that featured multiple tight ends on the field at the same time because that's how you get the most out of Lamar Jackson's ability. And one more thing, because you did bring up the Ravens and you said that they mirror the Pittsburgh Steelers a lot, I can tell you this. From being a part of that organization and talking with Ozzie Newsom and Eric DaCosta, that's exactly who they're trying to build their team to beat every single year. Yep. So it's not a surprise that you would see that model of consistency. We've seen that Mike Tomlin in 15 years of being a head coach has never been below 500. You're talking about that same type of track record with John Harbaugh. And all they the don't people spend, that are still there. They don't spend a lot of years being down in Baltimore. No, and they the just consistency don't. is a big part no, of the, in the no, decision makers. No doubt. So I love what they did in the draft. I also love the sneaky good free agency acquisition of Marcus Williams. Pairing him with Kyle Hamilton, mm-hmm. that secondary is going to be really, really good. All right, so I like – let me say this differently. I love all of your off-season winners so far. I'm going to throw a couple of different curveballs at you. Some teams that people aren't necessarily thinking about having a huge off-season, but have nonetheless helped themselves. First on deck, the Indianapolis Colts. Not just the Matt Ryan deal. I love the trade to get Yannick Ngakwe to go with DeForest Buckner and Quiddy Pay, yep. and then you got Darius Leonard on the back end. Not to mention Stephon Gilmore pairing him with Kenny Moore the second. Yeah. I fully expect them to win the AFC South going away. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill and Mike Vrabel. I just don't think in totality it's the same class of team. Just from a talent standpoint, the Indianapolis Colts are leaps and bounds better than the Titans. And you're able to do that. I mean, when you can give away Rocky Sin in that trade for Ngakwe, it tells you how much better the secondary got. Yeah. 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 I totally I, agree. I, and I know that's one of your guys too, Rocky Sin. Mm, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next on deck. The Los Angeles Chargers. I love what they did, being able to get Khalil Mack in the trade, bringing over J.C. Jackson, pairing him with Asante Samuel Jr. And then what they did early on in the draft, big fella, Zion Johnson, the guard from Boston College, bringing him in, play right guard. You got Matt Fleer at left guard, Corey Lindsley, the free agent acquisition from the Packers a couple of years ago, and then Rashawn Slater at left tackle. You're talking about them building a brick wall in front of Justin Herbert. And we know how important that is in terms of where he's at in his career, trying to maximize him while he's on a rookie deal. Also re-signing Mike Williams, their wide receiver. Yeah. Outstanding get. So I loved everything about the Chargers offseason. I'll give you one more there, too. What did we knock the Chargers for deficiency-wise on the defensive side? They couldn't stop the run to save their lives. Yep. They went out and added Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day to that up front, and and that is going to help them immensely. Those are two guys – who are run stuffers. I'm not saying they're going to be off the charts amazing, but they're going to be more than serviceable in that department. No question about it, and they're going to need them to be in that division because we know what those teams bring to the table. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in the backfield for the Broncos, then Josh Jacobs and Zamir White for the Raiders. You're going to have to stop the run in the AFC West. And with the Chiefs, it doesn't matter who they put back there. They're still going to be able to run the ball. Exactly, because you got to have light boxes. you got to yep. have two safeties back deep. And, yeah, you got to have to have a front seven that can stop the run. Okay, my finalist, the guy that gets the bronze medal in terms of the offseason that they had to help themselves, the New York Jets. After the draft that they were able to put together, Carlin, I don't remember the Jets – having a draft like this in recent memory. Are you going back to 2005, the, the Brickishaw-Ferguson-Nick Mangold draft? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I is, so. Is, that where, is that where you're going with this? I think whenever, it's similar. Whenever that was? I think it's similar. 2005, 2006, if, somewhere if around there? Yeah, it was. And if memory serves, they tra- I think it was 06, 
And they traded back up to get Nick Mangold, yep. kind of similar to what they did the other day with Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, and, and that was absolutely the right move because Jermaine Johnson and Kayvon Thibodeau, according to reports, the Jets had both of those guys right there in terms of being the best edge rusher in this class. So you were able to get what you evaluated as the best edge rusher in this class, what you evaluated as the best corner in this class, and what you evaluated as the best receiver in this class. So I don't know how you don't view that as a home run, and it's unanimous that they got the best running back in this class with an early second-round pick in Brees Hall. So I love everything that the Jets did in terms of being able to fortify this roster and get it ready for Zach Wilson to take over. And two sleeper moves real quick with that, too. Tomlinson on the offensive line is going to make them a lot better. Their their line is more than serviceable now. They Think about that. They did not have to take a tackle in no. this draft. And then secondly, C.J. Uzama. C.J. Uzama is a very good move for them. Yeah. That is going to help Zach Wilson a lot. And Jeremy Rucker, too, the tight end out of Ohio oh, State. I like him, And too. Tyler Conklin. I like the fact that you've got tight ends, and a yeah. couple of those guys are decent inline blockers. So I think that's going to help with the run game. We know what Mike LaFleur likes to do. It mirrors what we see from the Shanahan attack. Some of those tight ends, they're going to have to block on some of those early downs and distances. Coming up next, which team can least afford to drop game to? Seltzer Grizz.